In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar. You know, I can remember singing that song as a kid and wondering what in the world Orient are was. I mean, was it some sort of, like, I remember thinking, is it tar, like orientar, or is it like the letter R, orient R? I didn't know what it was, and I think I was actually an adult before I realized it was we three kings of Orient, like from the East, are bearing gifts. I mean, some of you right now for the first time are just, <laughs> What? Another thing I didn't know about that song as a kid is that it's not a Christmas song. It's an epiphany song. Not many epiphany songs, but today we are celebrating uh, the epiphany. Now, the actual day of epiphany was Friday, January 6th. It's always January 6th, always the, the day after the 12th day of Christmas. The day of epiphany begins the season of epiphany in which, as you might guess from the name Epiphany, the readings typically revolve around revelation or realization that Jesus is the Son of God. But the readings for the day of Epiphany always look at the strange story of the Magi. Our gospel uh, this morning, the Gospel of Matthew, does not talk about shepherds, doesn't talk about angels like uh, Matthew's counterpart Luke talks about. The only visitors that Matthew talks about are the Magi. And I wonder if you've ever given much thought to these wise men, other than just sort of a, you know, a, a part of the Christmas story. Now they were not likely kings of any sort, as the song suggests, but were more like priests sages, even astrologers. They typically served in king's courts as advisors in country like, countries like Persia or Babylon, east of Israel. And so uh, almost surely they weren't from the Orient, as we might understand the Orient, but, uh, but from some country east of Israel. And actually, Matthew doesn't even say that there were three of them, right? Just that there were three kinds of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There is a lot of mystery around this story. But to me, the strangest thing about this story is that these magi would come at all. They believed they saw something in the heavens was a supernova, or it was a comet, it was a conversion of planets, it was something that called to them, called to them in a way that apparently it really didn't call to anyone else. Nobody else even seems to have noticed it, but for them it called them authoritatively and 
and convincingly to leave their Persian palaces with expensive gifts and travel a great distance through arid lands to worship the king of the Jews. What did these Gentile sages care about the king of the Jews? And why did these Gentiles think that the king of the Jews, child though he was, would want anything to do with them? Matthew doesn't tell us. He just says that they came from a long way off to worship a child king who was not naturally their king. To worship a child king whose people would not likely have accepted them. I wonder if you've ever felt like an outsider. It's not a great feeling. I spent a lot of time as a kid sort of haplessly wishing that I was one of the cool kids. I'm glad to tell you I finally arrived. <laughs> When I was in college, uh, I, I decided not to go through fraternity rush until my sophomore year. Uh, I'd had a year on campus to see the different groups and to kind of know each fraternity's reputation and see which one seemed to me to be the best fit. And so I only rushed one fraternity. And on bid day, I waited around nervously until late afternoon and a couple of guys that I'd known pretty well in the fraternity, called and asked if, if I had a minute to talk. They came over, long faces, shoulders slouched. He was really close, they said. They said something lame about this one guy who had a chip on his shoulder. They were really sorry. Outwardly, I was composed, but inwardly, I wanted to punch them. <laughs> I wanted to scream. Two weeks of schmoozing down the drain. Two weeks of playing it cool and to be, trying to be impressive. That's hard work for nothing. Here's a little card to thank you for coming out. Thanks. And they left my dorm room, and I slumped down in my chair, suddenly aware I didn't have anything to do that night. It's a rotten feeling to feel like an outsider, to feel unwanted or unappreciated. And if you had asked me in that moment, if I thought, you know, I'd gotten, still gotten to know some people, maybe, are you just going to swing by that party that night anyway? I would say, you're crazy. They don't want me there. I'm not going to that party. But that's really kind of what these magi did, right? They swung by a party of folks that no one would have expected would want them around. Because the Jews at that time did not entertain Gentiles. They couldn't eat with the Gentiles. They couldn't go in their houses. There was a divide. 
And who were the Gentiles? All non-Jews. The Greek word that is translated Gentiles is ethnos. And you can hear in the word ethnos our word ethnic. In other words, all ethnicities other than the Jews are Gentile. Almost everybody here is Gentile. There was a conscious and intentional divide between the Jews and everyone else. And it, it was not because... I mean, it might sound, that might sound irritating, off-putting to us. It was not because the Jews were terrible people. It was because they were called to be a pure people. It was a statement about God's pure holiness and about their singular commitment to Him as His chosen people because they were the ones that the Creator of the universe had chosen as His own. They were the ones who were descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were the ones to be miraculously delivered from Egypt. The ones to receive God's law through Moses. The ones to be spoken to by the prophets. They were the ones that God had disciplined when they had been unfaithful as a father disciplines the child he loves. God had placed His favor uniquely on them and their laws and their practices of separation sought to faithfully honor and protect that favor. And so it is remarkable to me that these magi so boldly crossed not just the arid desert, but the social and ethnic and religious barriers that should have rightly kept them away in order to worship this child. They could not have known what awaited them, but they could not have been surprised by Herod's deceit. But they came anyway. They were compelled. They were drawn to the king of kings. Something told them. What, maybe it was the mysterious star. Maybe it's just something in their spirit told them that this was their king too. Maybe it was because they knew the prophecy, learned men that they were. Not their prophecy, but the prophecy nonetheless. That at 1800 years or so before, God had spoken, spoken to a man who had no children. Old man who had no children. And God told Abraham that his offspring that uniquely chosen people would outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. But God also told Abraham that many, many generations later, that through his line, not just his family, but everyone on earth would be blessed. Because that was actually the whole point. That was the whole point. That had been God's plan all along, the nation of Israel had been like a blessing incubator. But perhaps the Magi knew that the time for God's plan to be hatched was now. Came with this child. The time for the blessing of God to open up to all people, to open up to every ethnos, began with this child. In fact, their hope, the Magi's Hope, the Magi's acceptance before God, began with this child. 
sitting there in my dorm room that afternoon, slouched dejectedly in my chair. I half-heartedly opened that stupid card and read the words, you are cordially invited to become a brother in our fraternity. <laughs> the schmoozing had paid off. <laughs> and those two knuckleheads came running back in and slapped high fives and took me off to the party. I had been out, but now I was in. And it might sound a little silly to you. I mean, I don't know what your experience was with Greek life. Mine was 50-50. But that day has always been an illustration of the gospel to me. Acceptance when I expected rejection. Now, the Magi, I'm sure, were much, much wiser and much more sure of themselves than I was. But it is the fact that these Gentile sages came and knelt before the king of the Jews that captures my attention. They were rightly out, but they came because they knew through him they were in. It is the fact that through this child, this God incarnate, that all nations, all ethnicities, all people would be offered the unqualified acceptance and the unquenchable grace of God. These three kings of Orient are the first revelation, the first epiphany that God has opened himself and his blessing up to all of us. And in just a minute, when we baptize Isla Sunamori, we will be declaring that you, my dear, stand by faith in that line of God's gracious acceptance. And then we are all going to recite the baptismal covenant to be reminded how we all are God's chosen people now. And so if you are here this morning and you have felt dejected or isolated, or in the desert, like maybe you're a Tennessee Titans fan, and you've, you've felt like, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> and God, we want you to know, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> God is for you. That through this child, and not just that this child had some sort of like magic aura about him, that it was his life, it was his death, it was his resurrection. It was the whole package that reconciled us to him. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And so let us inherit the wisdom of these wise men and resolve again in this new year that we too, that we too, day in and day out, that we trust the acceptance of God through this child. And we humbly bow the knees of our hearts to the Savior, the King of kings, who is Christ the Lord. Amen.